Kaylin Wissiger's bakery on Cherokee Street doesn't just prioritize being environmentally friendly, it's literally their middle name. So we started to see the effects that like our actions as humans have on the planet. And so, you know, the way that we try to keep this, these four walls sustainable is like one very teeny tiny part of all the things that we need to be doing as humanity. She owns Whisk, a sustainable bakery. It's delicious. Try their version of a Pop-Tart and you will never go back to store-bought. I mean, I feel like for a long period of time, people, the number one question we would get here is, what does sustainable mean? And so it was really fun to kind of be able to educate and inform and sort of explain to people from all walks of life what that means to us and the policies and practices that we have in place here. Uh, but now that's really more commonplace. I mean, I feel like most, at least food service establishments, have some some type of sustainability practices that they make sure that they maintain, which is really cool. It should be the norm. Like 100% should not be difficult for places to be able to adopt these policies. At WISC specifically, it means offering a menu of items made with in-season local ingredients. Sourcing materials that way reduces the pollution that comes with packing and shipping ingredients from far away. When I was there, a box of local rhubarb had just arrived on its way to being something delicious. Um, so that in itself is really sustainable. And then just supporting people, um, supporting our neighbors, really. It's a place that makes you want to be greener, too. Okay, I did my own little self-inventory. Reusable water bottle? Check. Mine is aggressively large, like a half gallon. Recycling bin? Check. It's bigger than my trash can. I don't believe in plastic K-cups, my light bulbs are LED. I've been jamming out to Jack Johnson singing Reduce, Reuse, Recycle since I first downloaded it to my iPod mini. I bring my own tote bags to the grocery store. I look to see where the eggs are from, and I pay extra for local. So yes, naturally, I think of myself as green. I do the things. And as a podcast listener, I have a feeling you do the things too. Maybe we need Abby Eats tote bags a la NPR? Hmm. Anyway, April is Earth Month, and even with all the things we do to help the one and only planet that, you know, feeds us, we could all do a little more, right? And it's a little more effort, but I think in the long run, it's absolutely worth it. So for those of us with kitchens not actually named sustainable, this episode should help us play the part. St. Louis, we are painting your kitchen green with the help from the Green Dining Alliance, the restaurant sustainability program of Earth Day 365. We work in different capacities in helping them reduce their impact on the environment. The life changes you could make right now to benefit the environment, what not to order the next time you get takeout, and the food facts that have literally changed my life. When you think about the thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people who are doing that, that's a lot of waste. <laughs> then some really happy food news and your weekend planner. Come on, planet Earth, let's do this. Who doesn't hate wasting food? Walking away from the last few bites of a good meal, tossing the handful of spinach that got gooey before you could saute it, it feels akin to throwing money away, right? Let's cut straight to the chase. It turns out that pitching food in the garbage is much more harmful than tossing literal money would be. Victoria Donaldson with the Green Dining Alliance explained it to me. What is the actual harm of throwing food away? Well, it goes into our landfill, um, unless that restaurant is composting in which they go to a commercial composter, which for the most part, they're going to break down all of that and turn it into soil. Great. But a lot of in the St. Louis region, um, they don't compost. So with that, it goes to the landfill and it just sits in the landfill 
for however long <laughs> it takes for it to break down and it emits, you know, gases that are toxic to our environment, then of course that causes other parts of climate change that we like to talk about. <laughs> and it just, again, it has an effect and people don't think that their little plate, whether it be just like some scraps of some, some salad that they didn't eat, or again, that steak that they didn't finish. They don't think that it's that much, but when you think about the thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people who are doing that, that's a lot of waste. <laughs> and you're just thinking your little small portion is not gonna have that big of an effect, but in reality it does. It might be easy to say, and I'll admit, I've been guilty of just sitting and thinking, it's, it's biodegradable right? You know that it's going to break down. You know, you're not, you, yeah. you, you, you know that the styrofoam box might sit there in the landfill for hundreds of years, but you think my burger's going to break down. It'll be just mm-hmm. fine. But you're saying that yes, it will break down, but it still releases the same type of emissions that exactly. we want to keep out of the air and yeah. land and water and all of that. Exactly. And even with, so like, you know, we grew up, um, with the reduce, reuse, recycle when it comes to like regular recycling. Well, that still applies to like (laughs) food and any other really aspects of sustainability. Reduce, buy less. Don't buy in bulk unless you know you're going to eat it before it goes bad. Don't order a bigger meal than you can finish. Ask for a smaller portion. And Victoria says her biggest secret to a less wasteful kitchen was learning how to best preserve different foods. You'd be shocked what can be frozen. And as they say on Portlandia, you can pickle that. Reuse. This is where you can get creative. You repurpose the leftover rice from last night's dinner into a new meal for lunch. My favorite thing to do with leftover takeout that doesn't reheat super beautifully? Fry an egg on top and boom, it's your own variation on poutine for brunch. I never thought of it as being environmentally friendly, but that's just a cherry on top now, isn't it? And recycle. That means composting. I will admit I always thought that that's only something you do if you have a really big backyard, if you're an avid gardener, if you're okay with a nasty rotting food smell. But in reporting this story, I actually found an option for composting we can absolutely do from a two-bedroom condo in the Central West End without our own backyard, without the stink. Check out the episode notes. I will include a link to what I've learned. That's my personal life on the reduce, reuse, recycle, and food waste. (laughs) Yes, yes. And personal, it's personal for you, but a lot of, for a lot of people, this has become personal. Um, I think obviously in the past several years and past 10 years or so, the emphasis on climate change is getting stronger. Uh, We are trying to, as a culture and society in so many ways, focus on what we can individually do. I mean, while systemic changes are happening and still more needed at the bigger level, individually in our households, people are saying, I can use green cleaning products. I can swap out my light bulbs. I can do these types of things. So on an individual level, um, I feel like we've had a little bit of a sea change where people are trying harder at home. Businesses are kind of a different story sometimes, though, because there's a different type of green they have to worry about, which is, of course, money. And it can be expensive to take extra time. Time is money. It takes extra time to compost. It can be more expensive to buy the reusable straws than just the plastic ones that come in bulk that they can pick up at the restaurant depot or whatnot. So Tell me about the efforts with restaurants and just how you've been able to reach out to different restaurants and get them involved and interested in being greener. 
Yeah. So like you said, the main thing that they think about is money. <laughs> like, um, and at least when it comes to the Green Dining Alliance, there's that um, we have a, a um, certification fee. So every year that they're in the program, they pay a certification fee. Um, so with that, it's like, why would I pay this $200, $250 to be in this program for you to tell me what to do? Well, okay, let's let's find the balance in this. Okay. That usually happens in a few ways. Helping the restaurants market themselves as environmentally conscious when they're certified as such, and helping them save money through energy efficiency grants and programs out there. Switching out light bulbs, changing up inventory ordering habits, it can add up. Making sure that you're not taking more than what you're asking um, and that you're making sure that they get what they need, like as far as reducing their impact and also making sure they're able to sustain their business, especially during a pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah. Especially during a pandemic. Um, <laughs> that's something that I, I feel like for a lot of us who just cringe when we get extra uh, handfuls of silverware or, you know, plastic silverware utensils tossed in the yeah. ba- bag. March, April of last year, you know, we're trying to just support restaurants and restaurants are trying to figure it out and they are boxing things up. And some of these are restaurants who've never had takeout programs in the past. And so people are just doing it. You're just making do. And it just kind of felt like that was the cost of doing business. The cost of supporting a restaurant meant more waste, the styrofoam containers, the plastic, that kind of thing. And it was cringy, but it's like, okay, well, this is what we're going to have to do. Like, this is a short-term thing. This is what we're going to have to do to keep this restaurant afloat. Now, fast forward to a year later, while takeout is still, um, I don't think takeout's ever going to go away for a lot of these places. And then also places that might've had self-serve stations are now doing everything in a plastic individual um, container or utensils are still going to be the disposable ones and more plastic straws, those kind of things. So did the pandemic hurt the efforts to get rid of some of these materials and restaurants? Um, I will, I don't want to say yes, because I think that, um, at least with like against uh, many of the restaurants in the GDA, um, it may be also applicable with other restaurants in the St. Louis region. Um, but a lot of them had, because they recognized how much waste they were sending out, or for them, it was just materials that they were sending out. Um, they became more conscious of like, okay, how can we cut that? Like, how can we not use so many containers or give out so many utensils and napkins and straws and cups and so on and so forth? Um, And so they, a lot of them had innovative ways to change that. So one way is like, okay, we can box up as much as we can within these different boxes. Like, let's not try to like have everything in separate boxes and, you know, that's too much waste. Um, Or like, let's switch from plastic bags to brown bags. Um, That's again, a great, a great way to like get out of the single use plastic thing. Cause then now you have a paper bag and that can be recycled. One of the biggest changes she's noticed recently is that restaurants require you to request utensils instead of tossing handfuls of extra single-use plastic in with your meal. Go beyond that. When you're placing an order, let the restaurant know what you don't want. Skipping the straws, the napkins, plastic bags, extra containers, it saves you trash and, of course, again, the restaurant some money. If there's no place to note that and you're ordering online, maybe just add something in on the comment section or if you're calling and ordering over the phone, just let them know. 
It can also make a big difference because most of the materials that come with your food are not recyclable, like plastic bags, many other types of containers that are made of some sort of plastic that's not actually recyclable, anything greasy, anything with a wax or plastic coating, that includes most cups, and the dreaded styrofoam. I always support restaurants who uh, do not use styrofoam. Styrofoam is such a toxic, like, item <laughs> for our environment. Um, and it just, it's, it's a plague <laughs> to an extent. Um, so I try to push people to just try not to go to restaurants who serve sty- styrofoam. Um, but with Or that, maybe ask your, re- your favorite restaurant if you know that restaurant is using styrofoam. That's, that's going to be my next thing. Like if they do go, if they do use styrofoam, okay, well, talk to them about probably switching over. Or in some cases, I've been to restaurants where I've asked like, hey, do you have anything besides styrofoam? And they did. <laughs> and so they switched from using that styrofoam for my to-go order to something else, which is perfect. Um, so it's always good to ask them. And that also helps them become more considerate of like, okay, maybe I shouldn't use styrofoam. People don't seem to like that. Um, another thing is like continue, continue being a conscious eater if you already are. Like consider your portion size, consider what you're eating. Of course, we try to like it within the GDA, we try to push more vegetarian and vegan options um, as it, you know, pertains to more fruits and vegetables in your diet, but also that's the more most sustainable food option as far as like what's grown on this earth or what's raised on this earth and harvested on this earth. Um, but also consider like if you go to places, like if you are a meat eater, like consider sourcing more, like not necessarily organic, but organic. Right, <laughs> local. Those things that are more sustainably harvested or sourced or raised animal products show appreciation to restaurants that you know are doing the right thing as well i think that's a huge thing because then it makes them feel good about what they're doing and they want to continue doing that so well i think a a big takeaway here is that it's not just where your food goes that can be wasteful it's also where your food comes from that can be wasteful so considering the full cycle of things is an important way for us to just if you just think about it not every meal is going to be perfect not every takeout meal is going to be perfect but i think if people can commit to at least caring at least trying um obviously the world needs us all to do a little bit more than just try at this point but if that's the first step then have at it, right? I mean, is there, is that fair? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, for me, like personally, especially within the sustainability field, I, um, I'm very much a proponent of meeting people where they are. And a lot of people may be in the beginning steps of their sustainability journey. Um, and that's great. You started. Wonderful. Let's start moving forward with these, you know, small but mighty steps. Um, like, like I said, these things that I itemized as like ways that you can reduce your impact, um, but also consider the broader scheme of again sustainability, especially within the food industry. There's a, a larger ecosystem beyond what is local and what is within our reach as consumers. Um, and to start thinking about that again, baby steps into these particular matters, but still something that you'll want to get into eventually if you really want to get into a more conscious, a deeper conscious when it comes to sustainability. Of course, we know that in order to make a really big 
change around the planet and really reverse the uh, the trend of climate change. We will need some really big action, but uh, I'm joined now by friend and producer Dory Olmos. And we, we agree that, you know, it's it, again, it's a start. It's something that we can do. And we we like minimizing our impact on the environment. Yes. Um, little steps, baby steps here and there. Even if you're just thinking about it, it can kind of lead to actions, maybe not today or tomorrow, but next week or the next time you go to the grocery store, you know, you can, you can just take those little baby steps. Absolutely. What are some of the things that you like to do? I feel like, you know, she mentioning that she mentioned that she like learned how to preserve and freeze things. I was like, that's kind of a game changer. What are some of the, like, I don't know, even small game changers for you. If somebody who's listening to this is kind of beginning their sustainability journey, if you will. Yeah. So in my house, we do a lot of paper straws. We also have some silicone straws and some metal straws too. So we have those for here and then for whenever we go out. Um, But a big thing though, too. So whenever we do get takeout, which we've gotten a lot (laughs) over the last year, right? Yep. You always get those um, utensils in the little packets. So maybe you'll use a, a fork or spoon you don't use it all. We save whatever we don't use in that sitting. And instead of just throwing it away, we keep it for a rainy day. The next time we have a gathering, the next birthday party you go to, I have a stack of those that I can bring and just kind of pull out to use for the future. Instead of throwing them away, why why not just keep them? I'm thinking about, I had just gotten really into bringing my own coffee mug to Starbucks for example, mm-hmm. or wherever they, you know, instead of getting a single use coffee cup that feels like it should be recyclable, but it's not because of the mm-hmm. lining on the inside. Um, it's just nice to one, it keeps your coffee hot for longer, but then also it's just like, I don't know, knowing that you have, uh, you're not having to use one of those paper cups each time. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that again for a while though, because of obviously COVID uh, safety protocols and wanting mm-hmm. to minimize. So Again, small steps, be as, as long as you're thinking about what you can do. Um, it's really sustainable to make coffee at home and I can use, my, yes. <laughs> re, I can reuse my cup at home all the time. So one thing we wanted to mention, by the way, just because it's kind of um, a topic of conversation this week and on KSDK, we ran a story, a verify segment about something that's gotten a lot of chatter, which is the idea that the Biden administration is trying to limit the amount of beef that people eat in a given year, I think it was, saying you're Mm -hmm. limited to X amount of hamburgers or whatnot. Um, Spoiler alert, no. (laughs) The, uh, (laughs) the, The Verify segment, the folks there found, no, there is not an effort to limit that. However, If this is something you're at all interested in, we're going to link to that story um, in the episode notes here because a lot of people just kind of like what we didn't realize how much food waste can um, contribute to greenhouse gas emissions. You might not realize how much beef can as well. And so if you are interested in exploring that topic a little further and uh, making some more uh, conscious, again, decisions about the food you're eating and whatnot, and because it does have to do with this week's topic and what's happening in the news, We're going to throw that in the episode notes. Speaking of news, Dory, you've got quite a roundup for us. And let's see. I think uh, it's all good. It's all good. I think it is this week. Yeah, it is. Look at that. I I, I did that on purpose. Big news for a couple of our favorite friends of the podcast. 
two Thai restaurants just got the big seal or one of them got the big seal of approval from the royal thai government itself so they this government program basically seeks out visits and reviews thai restaurants all over the u.s so americans can know whether they're getting the real deal well king and i is the real deal if you didn't know that already which they're just on the street from where i live craving them all the time so good definitely the real deal they got the highest honor from the Thai Select program. They got the signature designation, which they're the only one in Missouri that got this designation. So it basically Amazing. says that they have authentic Thai dishes with premium quality, refined decor, and excellent service. So huge congrats to them. Um, and I looked into this a little bit more. There's a second tier award that is just as prestigious and eight other Thai restaurants in the St. Louis area got that one. It's so cool that the King and I restaurant is still getting these kind of mentions here because it was the first Thai restaurant in the St. Louis area. And now you think about takeout and, you know, a couple decades ago, takeout equaled Chinese food or maybe pizza. You could consider takeout uh, delivery usually, but now it's like Thai food is a really popular cuisine, um, not just in the St. Louis area, but around the country. And to have a restaurant like that, that helped introduce that to folks here in the heart of the country, still getting recognized and getting recognized. It's with such high honors. Very, very cool. Congratulations yeah. to them. The Propyslip family. Yes. Yep. We featured them on an episode last January, the ties that bind. Yes. So check that out. Uh, All right. Well, how about a couple other little restaurant changes and openings that we have coming up here? So a big one coming from James Beard Award winner Gerard Kraft. He is reopening Taste by Niche for the first time since last March. It's been closed the entire pandemic um, that he wrote on Instagram that he wasn't sure if they were going to be reopening, but that he is now looking forward to having cocktails again there soon. So Big news for them. Um, And then he also, gosh, he's making a lot of news this past couple of weeks. He also announced that he's opening a new restaurant inside Bowwood Farms that was previously occupied by Cafe Osage. So reopening and expanding. I'm very excited by, gosh, the good news keeps coming, Um, especially because taste is a particularly special place to me. Um, It's If you haven't been there and you enjoy a cocktail, um, you want something fancy, you want something standard, all of the above, the folks that work there are just so knowledgeable. Um, Hopefully they're able to bring a lot of those folks back and they're, the way that they craft things is just so good. It's, you go there and you're like, how do we have a place like this? in St. Louis. Um, it's, it's just a beautiful cocktail place. And then also the food's really good too. Um, but with Bowood, they had that really fantastic spot that was cafe Osage and a lot of folks are really upset. I've said folks a lot during the story. Um, (laughs) a lot of people really bummed, um, about cafe Osage closing because in part it's in such a great space. So it'll be exciting to see that, um, occupied once again. And speaking of occupied, we're definitely pausing here and there because Brutus is making some appearances in the background of your Zoom. And I, this, this is something that I am okay with us not being in the Zoom or in the podcast booth, because as long as I can see Brutus wandering around behind you, this is a good day. The past couple of weeks, he's been sleeping while we've been recording. Today, he is being naughty. I can already hear the things that he's doing behind me, and I just, I won't go into details. 
That was a very <laughs> cute use of the word naughty, though. <laughs> Brutus. Yeah, he's he's making noises. So, oh, he just found one of his toys. So if we have to pause for a minute here. I, no, that we're going to leave the puppy squeaks in. We're leaving the puppy squeaks in, folks. Folks, folks, oh. folks, folks and squeaks. Those are the themes of this episode. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll have out another uh, good, some more good news from a James Beard Award recognized chef in our area uh, and who we've also featured on the podcast. So for the first time since they opened last fall, Tempest in the Grove is going to have tables outside on their sidewalk. Seating will be first come, first serve. Food is still going to be offered to go. Uh, but Ben Groupie said that the dining room just not ready to open yet because they, like a lot of restaurants in the area, still having problems hiring enough employees and keeping mm. staffing levels up. So when Chef Ben first imagined Tempest, of course, it has that tasting menu. It's fine dining, but it's also a place where he always said, I want people to be, you know, waltzing in and not have to feel like they're being pretentious oh brutus is done with me talking about this um <laughs> but and so having sidewalk seating i think is a good introduction to that too because you can get a really good meal on the sidewalk and um you can come in a dress because you're celebrating something or you can come um in shorts and a t-shirt and chef ben says he wants to be here for you either way speaking of the grove um trops is getting a new restaurant inside its location so I can't really think of a better combination than this. So traps and tacos, yep. right? Yep. That's perfect. It's a perfect combination. So Taco, Cir- Taco Circus is opening its location inside Tropical Liqueurs. Um, they're going to be bringing their normal Tex-Mex favorites, including late night tacos. Perfect. Um, they're also going to have a Mexican twist on a St. Louis style pizza mm. and weekend brunch. So hitting a lot of, uh, you know, favorite things to do in the Grove right there. Um, so you might be wondering what was in there before. So Twisted Ranch had a location inside Traps before. Yeah. Not sure and when. Didn't Gorilla Street have a spot in there too? Or am I, am I mixing that up? But I'm pretty sure they had a small stand. Or am I thinking of the brewery? I think you're thinking of Second Shift, yeah, right? Yeah, Second Shift, yeah. Cause I had thought the same thing. And then yeah. when I saw that it was twisted ranch, I was like, okay, yeah, I do kind yeah. of remember that too. Yeah. So, uh, traps and tacos. Heck yeah. I, I like traps. I hadn't, I haven't been, I didn't, I haven't been in over a year. Um, but that's definitely on my list of places to go now that we are, you know, going again. Um, <laughs> and I agree with you completely and nothing against twisted ranch. Cause I mean, they're delicious. Um, and I can see the mentality of like, Ooh, we're having, crazy drinks. Now we want food with ranch. Like I just mm-hmm. don't think the flavors go as well in that when you're talking about tacos though, with, with the type of frozen drinks that they have, I mean, that sounds like a winning combination. I wouldn't be surprised if that winds up being a long, long, long-term thing that they, they finally take up residency and find the perfect match. Yeah. And taco circus is good too. I haven't had them in a couple months, but they're just down the street from us and their tacos are super good they have like a pork steak meat that they use in some of their tacos that oh that is just so tasty so another way to kind of get more exposure hey speaking of things that are uh sticking around for a while this one is great news too yeah so we talked a couple months ago now about the frozen pizzas from joyas going to schnooks well we got an update from them apparently that was a temporary thing i guess they were kind of doing a trial period but trial period no more those frozen pizzas are sticking around in Schnuck stores. So owner Alex Donnelly, who we also featured on the podcast, we were talking to just about 
everyone, right? We're basically like a who's who podcast <laughs> in St. Louis. Anybody who's anybody is going to be on Abby Eats at some point. <laughs> Word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so Alex Donnelly, he said that they sold more than 40,000 pizzas in the first month, with, in the first month, which was like way beyond their expectations. I think they were thinking... They were only going to sell like 4,000, but St. Louis showed up and snagged a bunch of those pizzas. And I promise you only about three or four of those was me. It was not all me. Three or four, like thousand, maybe. <laughs> hmm, you'll never know. <laughs> I will. We were just talking about this before we recorded. And, you know, even a place like Joya's where you think of it as an institution in St. Louis at this point, you can't help but cheer for them. You can't help but be excited for them because they're excited for themselves. And Alex is like, ex- he's pumped and he's surprised and thrilled and, you know, still mm-hmm. has those pinch me moments. And so it's really fun to cheer for somebody like that. And good to know that um, you can finally slowly start eating the frozen pizzas you've stocked up on because there will be more in the future (laughs) that that's true we just ate one two days ago because you just never know like do I need to savor this or what (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean yes but then you can get more so when I can always go get more yes exactly I'm excited about this next one too I mean again now that we're talking about things happening here um not quite yet but still something to look forward to Yeah, something for your calendar for 2022. Food Network star Alton Brown is bringing his live show Beyond the Eats tour to the Fabulous Fox. So it's not happening until, like I said, I think it's March 2022, but tickets go on sale this Friday, April 30th. Tickets range from $45 to $135. He promises uh, an interactive show with cooking, comedy, and potentially dangerous science stuff. I'm very curious what that could mean. We should go to that because the thing is, I don't, um, I'm not always a big like food star person, right? Like I don't, Mm. I'm not a huge, I don't watch a lot of food network and those types of things because I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm the person that sees an ad for Oreos on TV and it's just like, oh my God, I need to go get Oreos right now. And so like, I have a hard time watching people cooking and baking and things like that. Um, but I actually really like, like, he just has a fun personality. He he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's clever and fun to watch and fun to listen, listen to. So I would go to that. Maybe, uh, maybe work can get us tickets or something. Ooh, a little podcast field trip. Yeah, this is an Ooh. earworm. This is an earworm for anybody we work with who might be listening to this. Hey, Dory, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? Uh, well, I know both of us have had a big last week, right? Just kind of getting out into the world a little bit more. Well, uh, Jason and I went and had our first indoor dining experience in yes. more than a year. I sent you a picture of this. So we just went out for dessert um, and we decided to do fountain on locust, which we got one time during the pandemic. And I remember you saying like, next time you go check out the bathrooms. Yes. I'm so glad you remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, the food was even better. Okay. Um, we had an amazing experience, um, started with some ice cream martinis. I got the Toblerone, which has, um, coffee Ooh. and hazelnut flavors and dark chocolate. I could have, chugged that whole thing in like two sips it was so so good one of the best things I've had really in a very long time um let's see and then okay so we got the martinis probably should have just stopped there but (laughs) there were way too many like good sounding desserts on the menu so had to get one of those and since you know it was our first time out I was feeling a little adventurous so I went with the Sunday gambler. So what this is, is it's a 
a Sunday that you just let their soda jerks surprise you with whatever. So they make it for you. Uh, I am not normally a surprise me sort of person because I'm fairly picky, but the waiter did ask like if I had any allergies or just anything that I definitely didn't like. Um, So the only thing I told him was no caramel. I, I don't really like caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came back with like the most delicious dessert. Um, it had three different types of ice cream. Um, it was, uh, espresso, cherry, and dark chocolate. The dark chocolate was amazing. Uh, it was like a Zanzibar chocolate, something mm. It tasted essentially like fudge. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was hot fudge and sliced almonds on top. It was just a perfectly balanced Sunday that I rolled the dice on, went with it, and they came back with something so delicious that I wouldn't have, I would never have thought to make that myself, but it was, it was really good and worth it. Mm, you happy gambler. That sounds so yeah. good. I love, yeah. Um, isn't it fun? Like, what did it feel like being for you, like actually going in and being like sitting down? It was a little nerve wracking, yeah. but honestly felt, I felt mostly comfortable. It was just a table, um, for the two of us, we were kind of over in the back corner of the place. Things were spaced out. Um, we kept our masks on for the most part, definitely when the waiter came up to us, um, and we were only there for dessert. So it wasn't that long, but I felt mostly good. Yeah. 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 I've, I, I, I'm trying as best I can to still, anytime you interact with somebody, even if you're, you know, masked on or, or put your mask back on or whatnot. Um, yeah. Cause we, we've kind of launched full on into like now going out and going to places and whatnot, but, um, it, it is still a little bit like I grab the hand sanitizer after every mm-hmm. interaction and whatnot. And I still think it's the polite thing to do to, um, put your mask on whenever you possibly can. Uh, but knowing that we were like, okay, we're going to be spending money on going out to eat again real soon here. Um, last week I actually, how many times less I can less than a handful of times. Have I ever mentioned something that I made as something that's my best thing I had to eat? Cause Very I, rare. I'd rather have somebody else cook for me. And most of the time, whatever I cook for myself is f- not the best thing I had to eat that week. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, I want to, I want to cook something. I want to save a little bit of money and like be, eat a little healthier again, preparing for going out to eat a lot in the coming weeks. And um, you know, with that two vax life, I love the, this pear is on fire salad from crushed red. And it's, it, it's, it hits all the checks, all the boxes. It's got a slightly smoky spiciness to it, but Ooh. if you don't like spicy, it's still good. It's got a sweetness because it has the candied walnuts and some, the dried cranberries. It has bacon in it. The dressing is just super, super good. So I just Googled, I'm like, who in the world is going to know the recipe for the a crushed red salad? Um, this blog sincerely <laughs> Jenna Marie in April of 2016 blogged about it. I'm like, so glad people food blog. Um, of course. Yeah. And so she put the, all the recipe on there. It did not take long at all. Um, the dressing was just a little bit of apple cider vinegar, um, a couple tablespoons of mayonnaise, some honey, some olive oil, and then like a diced up habanero pepper um, all mixed together. And then you mm. basically throw all those ingredients in. Oh, avocado has a sliced avocado as well. Um no cheese. I just, Oh yeah. Goat cheese, put goat cheese on Mm. it a little bit, but it was really, really good and filling. And I was like, wait a minute. I just made a salad for dinner. That was really satisfying. Yes. It did have bacon, but, um, I like, (laughs) I not quite as good as crushed red, but I was still pretty proud of it. You were able to, yeah. I mean, you made it yourself. It was, you know, a take on, you know, somebody else's recipe, but you were able to do it at home. So, you know, you have those skills and you can do it if you have the right recipe. 
or I'll just go to Crush Run next time. But hey, I did oh, it yeah. one time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are talking, can you believe, Dory, we are talking about May 1st, the weekend of April 30th um, through May 2nd, actually. But man, the first weekend of May is already here. Hopefully, you're able to start getting out and about and doing things like we were mentioning. We're preparing for that life again. And it seems like the rest of the world is uh, is as well. So we have a couple events this weekend to tell you guys about. Yeah, so this Saturday is Rosé Day. Grab a little bit of rosé in the Central mm-hmm. West End. They're having their third annual Walking Wine Festival. So uh, this is it sounds really neat. So tickets are required for this event. And when you get your ticket, you get an event passport and a wine glass. And then you kind of wander through the Central West End and stop at all the different tasting stations throughout the neighborhood kind of gets you out and about and exploring the neighborhood a little bit more. Um, So there'll be 10 different tasting stations that you can go to. This goes from noon to six. So you have plenty of time. You don't have to rush through. Um, And then what's even better, even better about this event is that it benefits nonprofits that empower women and girls. And I think from what I could understand on their website is you get to pick which nonprofit you'd like to support. Mm-hmm. I have a commitment this Saturday, and I think ever all three years I've had something going on during uh, Rose Day, so I haven't been able to go. So I just make up for it by like picking a random Saturday and spending six hours walking around the neighborhood <laughs> drinking wine. I'm just with kidding. a glass of wine. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's not a bad idea. So yes, and lo- love the uh, love a good excuse to get the girls together. You know why mm-hmm. not? Um, I would totally say we should do that if I didn't have something else going on. Sorry, Dory. That's you should okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday, also on Saturday uh, is Founders Day in Mo Fallon, O'Fallon, Missouri. Um, they always have a fun little party out there for this. It is a free event at Fort Zumwalt Park. It goes from ten to two. Live music, which is something I'm just so excited to like get back into. Um, it, live mu- they'll have live music there. Axe throwing which is a fascinating thing that we're going to start seeing at more public events. I always thought it needed to be in a little bit more, you know, secured location, but Hey, that'll be, that'll be interesting. And of course, food from sugar fire and Kona ice. Those are two staples for any good summer get together and hands-on activities and games. So very family friendly uh, event out in St. Charles County for you. Yeah. So another family friendly event in St. Louis County grants farm is reopening for the year this Saturday. Uh, And they're doing it with a brand new experience. It's called a deer park adventure. And essentially it's like a reservation only tour for groups of up to 10 people. You go through the park, you see spots that you don't normally see on the typical tram ride. And you get to experience a lot of the different animals that might be kind of hiding and aren't normally visible out in the park. Um, So while you do this experience, you can also add on a snack pack. Or because it's Grant's Farm, they have a cooler of Anheuser-Busch products that you can enjoy for the ride as well. So that starts this Saturday. Like I said, reservations are required. Uh, I did a similar thing to this with my family. It was kind of like a private tour thing. It was really neat because they take you by the the Grant's, the house, and just kind of, it's like a one-on-one experience where they'll really get you up close and personal with the animals and just tell you a lot of other little facts that you don't know about the park and the animals there. It's really worth a visit, especially if you haven't been, if you're a St. Louis and who hasn't been since you were a kid or something like that. Um, Two seasons ago, maybe I was out there uh, doing morning show live shots and I named a goat after myself. Oh, Abby the goat. Little Abby. So um, you might, you may have gotten an encounter with little Abby out there. Who knows? Who knows? We did have a saucy encounter with an animal out there that I can't quite remember, but it might've been Abby. Sounds exactly (laughs) right. 
Production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. And that is Brutus. Special <laughs> thanks to Brutus for livening up our podcast. Hey, make sure you guys are subscribed. Uh, we want to drop a new episode in your feed every single week. We've got some pretty exciting topics coming up. We're going to talk about some of the classic St. Louis establishments. We're going to keep bringing you different food stories, helping you eat better, live better in the city of St. Louis or wherever you might be listening to us from. Leave us a rating and a review as well. And tag us always on Instagram. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis. Slide into our DMs. We actually don't mind it. Until mm-hmm. next time, friends, seize the plate. <laughs> <laughs>